Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for the start of a new year. Thank you, Lord, for being with us through 2023. And Lord, as we look forward, may we find ourselves journeying with you. And that, Lord, um, we just want to dedicate this year to you. We thank you, Father God, and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes when I get, when I have a cough, my voice gets a little deeper, so it sounds more dramatic, you know. I need to get sick more often. Um, Since we're starting a new year, how many of you approach a new year with like a sense of like new start? You're excited about a new start, a new beginning, or starting off fresh. How many of you do that? How many of you enter this year with a sense of optimism? Any of you? All right, it's a good, good number of you. How many of you are ready for like a new beginning? You're like, you're, you're trying to start a new beginning of something, maybe, right? If you do that, I, I was thinking about the new year and stuff, and I was thinking, you know, it's kind of funny, though, why we do that. Why do we, like, start a new year, we feel like, okay, this is going to be different. It's going to be a new year, a new start, a new me, a new whatever, right? Have you ever thought about that? I, I, I was thinking, like, why is it that if we just change a date, that all of a sudden we feel like things are going to change? Things are going to be different. You know, what's the difference between 12, 28, 23, and 1, 2, 24? Maybe nothing. I don't know, Right? But I was thinking about, it's funny how we approach a new year as if, okay, it's going to be a new start, a new beginning, everything's going to change. I remember back in uh, 1999 when 2K, right, I know know that most of you weren't born yet, but I I remember that there was such panic, and then I remember waking up January 1st and thinking, okay, I feel the same. I feel the same way. Nothing has changed. But it's funny how we have that mentality of that once a date changes, that everything's going to be different. I don't know about you, but the day after your birthday, do you feel different? You don't tend to feel much different. But whether we legitimately have reasons to expect a new change or something being different for the near, whether there's a legitimate reason or not, we always enter the new year with a sense of hope. We hope it will be better. We hope things will change. I don't know about you and in your conversations with people, but it seems like more and more often people at the end of the year just can't wait for the year to end. How many of you at the end of 23 couldn't wait for the year to end. You're like, I've had enough of 23. I need a new year. I think most people seems to be that way. In fact, when was the last time you uh, thought, you know what, I don't want the year to end? I can't remember the last time I thought, man, this year has been so good, I don't want it to end. It seems to be that way, right? I know some of you are kind of thinking like, that's a good question. I don't remember the last time. For some, the years don't seem to improve. For some people, the years seem to be getting worse and worse. And I thought about that. 
And I thought, okay, there's a, we gotta face some hard truths. Maybe the reason why our years don't seem to be getting better and better is that there's a common denominator among all these years. You know what that common denominator is? Yeah, you, <laughs> me, the person we see in the mirror, right? That's the common denominator year after year after year after year. And sometimes, and perhaps, maybe, right? I'm not gonna blanket it all, all of you. I'm not pointing fingers at you. But maybe the reason why things aren't getting better and better is that it's us. It's us, right? People change, circumstances change, environments change, but we're always gonna be where we are. <laughs> it's always gonna be us, right? And perhaps, as you go into a new year, we make resolutions to change, but are we resolute to make the right changes? Right? We make all these resolutions. All right, I'm going to change, and I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this, or I'm going to start doing something. But are we resolute in making the right changes? Are we making the right changes in our life? Two years ago, I introduced the theme branching out. Maybe if you remember that. <coughs> Excuse me. A year ago, the theme was bearing fruit, right? So branching out was growing the branches that naturally come from being rooted in the word of God. A year ago, being bearing fruit, let our fruit produce action. This year's theme, be pressing onward, pressing onward, and we'll get into that in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to chapter 12, and if you need a Chinese English Bible, there's one in the back, Hebrews chapter 12. It goes like this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. In the previous chapter, we looked at part of it already. Chapter 11 is about, it has a, a series of what a lot of people call a hall of faith, right? A heroes of faith. And that chapter 11 starts with, counts of faith from the Old Testament. We looked at three of them briefly, right, already. Right, if you remember Abel, Enoch, and Noah were mentioned in chapter 11. We touched on that. But really, the list can go on and on when you talk about heroes of faith. In fact, in Hebrews <coughs> excuse me, 11.32, he says, what more? After he says a series of people, he says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. See, so he's looking back and goes some, he, he chronicles some different people of faith, but he says, you know what, I could go on and on. I would run out of time. There wouldn't be enough time to tell of all the things that people did through faith. What God has done through them. And it made me realize, (coughs) look at the testimonies of people of faith. Faithful people. And see what God was able to accomplish through them. Right? Do you believe in the power of faith? Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of faith? You're like, what's the power of faith? The power in faith is not your willingness to believe or not. That's not the power of faith. It's not your willingness to believe or not. The power of faith is who you place your faith in. That's the power. It's not in your willingness it's not whether you believe, whether it's just the fact that you believe or not, but it's who are you putting your faith in? And he looks back in chapter 11 and said, look at all these people who placed their faith in God and look at all these mighty acts God was able to do in their life. He goes on and says in verse one, <coughs> we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of faith. And now there's a tremendous precedence of inspirational faith and power of God. There are people who can testify of their faith in God. And it made me think again. We need more people who are faith-filled in our life, don't we? Can we get an amen to that? You don't, you don't have to verbally say amen, right? But at least be in your mind say amen, right? We need more people who are faith-filled, people of faith, who trust and believe that God can do the miraculous, the powerful. He can change lives. He can change the hardest of hearts. And we need to surround ourselves with people like that, who would believe what God can do. And you know, testimonies go beyond Scripture. There are so many testimonies of faith you can read about, you can watch about. I showed a video some weeks ago to the adults in FNF about Victor Marx. If you don't know who he is, you can look him up. I'll show you the, share the link with you. There are so many people who are so faith-filled and see mighty works of God done in their life. <coughs> Sorry, that sounds really bad, but... But you see in this passage, he says, so since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a testimony of faith, he gives four exhortations in our passage today. Four charges of what we ought to do since we have such a history, of such a precedence of faith. And the four exhortations, the first thing is to leave. Leave. The second thing, he says, to run The third thing he says to focus. And the fourth thing he says, remember. Run, or I'm sorry, leave, run, focus, and remember. Let's look at the first one, leave. 
He says, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. That word lay aside means to put off, to put aside, put away, right? Take it off, leave it, leave it behind. The Apostle Paul uses that same words in Romans 13, 12. He says, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ephesians 4, lay aside the old self. Put the old self away. Who you were before Christ, take it off. Put it away. In Colossians 3, 8, pull, put, a, put them all aside, anger, wrath, all these things. If you're in Christ, you can lay aside, put away those things. James 1.21, putting aside all filthiness. Lay aside, leave it, leave every encumbrance. What's an encumbrance? What burdens you, the mess, the weight? What weighs heavy on your heart? Maybe you ended the year 23 with encumbrance, weight, heaviness. What are you bearing on your shoulders? What have you been carrying? What weighs on your heart? And you've insisted on dealing it with yourself too, by yourself too. You want to prove yourself, deal with it your own way. But we can't control the outcomes, can we? Right? Just when we think we have it all under control, something happens beyond our control, and our life goes into chaos. But what weighs on your shoulders? What weighs on your heart? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. And you learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, that those of you who are burdened, heavy, heavy weighted down, give me your burdens. I will give you my yoke that's easy. Learn from me. Come to me. Follow me. Learn from me. Right? I'm sure we're burdened by so many things that are just out of our control. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you feel powerless? You feel like there's nothing I can do. I can't change the circumstances. I can't change the people. And you feel like powerless. You may feel like I can't even change myself, right? It's interesting. We stress over <coughs> the most of things that we can't control sometimes, right? Right? Right, how many of us are stressed out because of things that we can't control? I'm one of them, right? I stress out over the things that I can't control. But our, really, our lack of trust in God really shows itself in our stress. You know? You notice that? Our lack of trust in God really comes out in what we stress over. We're so worried about something. We're, what's it gonna happen? How's it gonna happen? All these things. And we, we lose sight of the fact that we're not really trusting in God. 
We're not taking our burdens to him. We're saying, God, here's my burdens, but I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna hold on to it till I can fix it, right? What burdens us may also be what stunts our growth. Last week I talked about bearing fruit. What kind of fruit did the year produce? Perhaps it was our burdens that kept that fruit from producing. There's a key factor. I'm not an expert in gardening or, or farming or anything. But a key factor in maintaining a healthy tree is breaking off the dead branches. Cutting off the dead branches. Cutting off the dead branches is key to keeping a healthy tree because once the dead branch is there, I didn't realize, I didn't even think about this, a dead branch cannot come back to life. You cannot revive a dead branch. All the day, if you leave a dead branch there, all that dead branch does is take away the nutrients from the healthy branches. It can only be a detriment to the health of the tree as a whole. I thought, that's kind of interesting. Because if you think about it, what are some dead branches in our life? There are things in our life that are just dead. It's not gonna give life to us. It's not giving nutrients to us. It's not giving health to our bodies, but it's there. And it's taking the life out of us. It's keeping us from growing. It's keeping us from being fruitful. What are those dead branches? Maybe those dead branches we've been afraid to cut off. Who would we be if those branches weren't there? Those branches have been there for forever, right? We're charged to lay aside every encumbrance. What is keeping you from living a life pleasing to the Lord? And the answer may not be what you think either. You may think it's a circumstance. Well, if my circumstance changes, then I'll be better. Or maybe if it's the people, those people weren't there, then I would be better. <coughs> perhaps, perhaps that's true. But this is where last, sun, last Sunday's message comes into play. We need spiritual wisdom. We need spiritual wisdom and understanding from God to show us, okay, Lord, what are those dead branches in my life? What am I to do in these circumstances? What is keeping me from growing? Because whether it may be people or circumstances, it could just be yourself. It could just be what's inside you, what's going on inside you, so that if you change the circumstance, you change the people in your life, you're still carrying the same dead branches with you. He says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Well, he says there's something else that surrounds us. We're also surrounded by sin. He says lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. That word entangles means to skillfully surrounding, easily surrounding or easily circling. Have you ever seen those nature movies where there's prey and a predator and there's a pack and the pack just surrounds their prey. Maybe you've seen that in the schoolyard or in your school in the hallways, right? The bullies are like a group of bullies and they just surround their victims, right? 
He says, not only are we surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, but he says, lay aside the sin that easily surrounds you. Easily, skillfully surrounds you. Sin and temptation is all around us. And some of that is our doing. We go into circumstances where we're easily surrounded. We put ourselves in, put ourselves in circumstances where we look all around us, there's temptations, Right? And if you do not have Christ in your life, yeah, you're a slave to your sin. You're a slave to your desires, and you're gonna do what your desires tell you to do, right? But here's the good news, right? Those who are in Christ, you're no longer a slave to your sin. You no longer have to do it. Sin and temptation has no more power over you than what you allow it to have. Right, I'll say that again. Temptation and sin, for those who are in Christ, has no more power over you than what you allow it to have. All right, a, fa- a well-known passage, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, what? Beyond what you are able But with temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will endure it. That's a promise that we need to hold on to. When you think the temptation is too strong, when you feel surrounded by temptation, God says, look, I will provide a way out if you are willing to take those steps out of the escape I give you. That temptation has not overtaken you. So we need to lay those things aside. Lay those encumbrances of sin that so easily entangles us, weighs us down, crowds us, lay aside. And the second charge he says to do is run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many of you ever had dreams where you're running in your dream? How many of you have ever had that? Help me make sure it's not just me. How many of you have ever had dreams where you're running in your dream? I hate those dreams. Those are frustrating dreams. Every single dream I have where I'm running, I'm either being chased, one, but that's not even the worst part. I'm either running in slow motion or I'm running in the air for some reason. I'm like floating in the air and I'm running in the air and I have no traction. Or it feels like I'm running in water and I feel the frustration while I'm dreaming. Like I can't go any faster. And it's like they don't catch me, but it's like I just can't seem to run. Anyone like that? All right, it's not just me. All right, thank you. I thought it was some kind of psychosis or something. I appreciate when Paul says, run the race in his letters, right? He uses that analogy of run, run your race. Run with endurance. I don't like taking walks. I've been taking walks more frequently because of my dog or our dog, but I'm not one to walk. If I run, I need to run with some kind of goal in mind. It's not, the goal of getting in shape is not enough goal for me, right? I need to like score something or do something like that, right? But I like running over walking because running implies some sense of urgency, 
some sense of motivation, right? I need to get to where I need to go as quickly as possible. Whereas walking, you could just take your time, you meander, you get distracted, you're more easily distracted. You walk around, you see something, oh, that's interesting, right? When you're running, you're not even paying attention, you're going for a goal, right? I appreciate that this, the, he says, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Because see, some people, maybe you can relate to this. They're going through life like they're sleepwalking through life. Some people are going backwards. Some people are like running in place. That's why I don't like treadmills. Right, you're running, you're doing all this effort, you're in the same place. You're just running in the same place. That's not enough motivation for me. But so many people are feeling, it's like they're living life, they're efforting, they're doing so much, but they're stuck in the same place. Or they're just sleepwalking through life aimlessly. They don't have any goal, no sense of direction, no sense of purpose. They're just going. They're just moving about. He says run, but run with endurance. In other words, steadfastness, constancy, right? We don't want to be in the same condition we don't want to be easily defeated, right? I remember when PE, doing the laps, and I would try hard, but once that little side ache goes, like, oh, that's it for me. I'm done. Got a little side cramp there. I'm going to walk it the rest of the way, right? Some people are like that. You're going through life, something hits you, like, oh, man, that hurts. <sighs> I need to take a break. Take a break through life. Run with steadfastness, constancy. Condition yourself to keep pushing, keep running, keep running your race. At least to the third charge. He says, focus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, verse one focuses on the believer. Verses two and three centers on Jesus. We must lay aside our hindrances, our encumbrances, our burdens, our sins. Run with endurance, but fixing our eyes, focusing our eyes on Jesus. It's interesting, the race we are to run is before us, right? Run the race that's set before us. But here he says, the cross was set before Jesus. The cross was set before Jesus. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What does it tell us about Jesus? <coughs> He's the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, and he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went from the cross to the right hand of the throne of God. He went from shame to glory. Chapter 11 talked about heroes of faith, right? All these mighty works of faith. And here in chapter 12, what does it start off? Jesus, he is the chief leader and perfecter of faith. Yeah, look at all these heroes of faith. Yeah, they're inspirational. But Jesus, he is the chief one. He is the leader. He is the perfecter of faith. Be inspired by those things, but fix your eyes on Jesus. He is our model. We do because of what he did for us, right? You think about it, who inspires you? Who motivates you? 
Is there anyone in your life that inspires you, motivates you? You heard their story like, oh man, I want to be like that person. I want to do things like that person. They may, that may be well and good perhaps, but they will never reach the level of Jesus. They could never compare to Jesus. Jesus is our goal. He is our motivation. And we lose our pace when we we lose our focus, right? When we take our eyes off Jesus, we tend to lose our pace. Have you ever done that, right? When you're running? I don't know how many of you are runners. Maybe you're, I know some of you cycle. When you lose your pace, you lose your focus. And once you lose your your, your pace, your focus, oftentimes your desire changes, doesn't it? Your motivation changes. Even your motives change. And then your body soon follows through. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, especially today, especially with the way society, especially the way the world is. We can get so distracted by the people, what people are doing, what the trends are, what people are believing, what people are thinking, what's going on in the world. And when we don't keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we're gonna lose track. Even in ministry, as a church, If our eyes aren't focused on Jesus, whatever we do will become distractions. And we have to check our motives. We have to check our intentions, right? He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, because why? He made this path trackable. He made it possible for us. He says, follow me, right? I'm gonna lead the way. I'm gonna make that path clear so you can follow me. Keep your eyes focused <clears throat> on me. It's interesting. It's, it's kind of cool that when we follow Jesus, Jesus is not only with us, but he's before us. He's with us, but he's waiting for us at the finish line also. That's kind of, I, I, I thought about that. You know what, that, that means a lot to me. He's not just like at the finish line waiting like, I'm here when you get here. Good luck, right? (laughs) There's some places in your life that you're gonna have a hard time, but, uh, you know, do your best. He's not only waiting for us, but he is along beside us, with us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the fourth thing, remember. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. When we feel like temptation is too strong, remember Jesus. You're like, well, why do I remember Jesus? Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. That's remarkable. That's some deep stuff. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but was without sin. How many of you have ever felt like the enemy is just attacking you? Man, the enemy's out to get you. Throwing temptations left and right, right? You can't walk without being tempted, all that kind of stuff, right? We think, oh man, the enemy's out to get me. Can you imagine Jesus? Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus? The fact that he was tempted in every way, 
but without sin. He did not give in to temptation. So when we feel attacked, when we feel like persecuted, when we feel like we're under the pressure, we can remember Jesus. He understands what we're going through. When we feel like we can't, how can I love those people who hate us, who hate me, who ought to get me? We can remember Jesus, right? He says, consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. When you think that you can't love somebody, remember Jesus. Because there's plenty of people that if we were left with our own natural willpower, we say, no, thank you. I don't want to love you. I don't want to be kind to you. I don't want to give you any time of day. But when we remember Jesus, okay, what did he do for me? How much has he loved me despite the things that I've done? Right? Again, we do because of what Jesus did. We do because of what Jesus did. He said, I made the way. I showed you the way. And I will help you along the way. I said the theme was pressing onward, pressing onward. And to be clear, I do look forward each new year to be a new start, a new beginning. I do that too. I look forward a new year to be different. I hope for a different year. I do look forward that way. I do approach it with some sense of optimism. So yes, I do believe there's a difference between 1228 and one two. 24, right? But though we should, we should approach each day the same way. We should approach each day the same way. And what's that approach? Each day, we are closer to our destination. And you're thinking, well, that sounds a little morbid, Pastor Mike. If you're talking about death, each day we're closer to death. I don't know if that's really a very motivational, right? No, 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 no. Think differently. Each day we're closer to our destination. And what's our destination? To be with our Lord and Savior. To be with our Lord and Savior. Each day we are closer. And if you, are, if you don't feel motivated, if you feel kind of scared about the idea of being with Jesus because it means physical death here on earth, then we need to change our understanding. Right? We must adjust our understanding. If we don't understand that being with the Lord is so much better than anything here on earth, that's our destination. That's our goal. That's why death, as hard as it is for the survivors, for those who are in Christ, okay, yes, you're gonna miss certain, you you may feel like you're gonna miss certain things, but you're entering paradise with the Lord. All right, I'll get off of death. I'm not going to start, I wasn't meaning to start the new year with death, right? The four charges. Leave. What do we need to leave behind us? If we're turning the calendar, is there something that we need to also turn over and leave behind? What is weighing us down? Are we resolute in changing the right things? Or are we just distracting ourselves with the easy things, right? Run. 
Pressing onward. When I say onward, we're going onward towards our goal. We're not just pressing in any direction, but we're going towards the goal. Keep going forward. Don't say, stay in the same space that you're in. Don't be satisfied with that. Don't be satisfied with your spiritual health as it was last year. Desire to grow. Desire to grow in your faith. If your faith in God, your relationship with God hasn't changed in the last 10 years, maybe you're sleepwalking a little bit, right? Third thing, focus. Keep your eyes on Jesus in both hardship and celebration. That's gonna be key this year. Keeping your eyes on Jesus in both hardship and in celebration. Remember who we are to look to. And the fourth thing, remember when you're growing weary and losing heart, remember what Jesus has done and what he has done for you. Everything, think about this, everything Jesus has done is for the sinner. Isn't that remarkable? You do nice things for the people you like to be nice to, right? Maybe you got gifts for them. Maybe you did things for them. Maybe you're just kind of nice for them. How many of you did it for your enemies? Any of you do that? Any of you give your gifts, give gifts to your enemies? The people that hate you the most, did you give them gifts? You say, hey, you know what? You hated me all this year, and I, I got to admit, I don't like you either, but here's a Christmas gift for you. Probably not. Probably not. But everything Jesus did was for the sinner. So we can remember when we are growing weary and we are losing heart, we can remember what Jesus did. And my hope for us is that we can remember this through the year. And my hope for us, because I know there are some very weary people in this room, very burdened people in this room. You're heavy laden, you're tired, you're worn. And I pray that we can help each other do this together. Help each other do this together. May we be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And I'm gonna end with this. I don't wanna be a drive-through cook. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go through Chick-fil-A or a fast food place. You've gone through a drive-through, right? When you go through a drive-through, you order your meal, do you ever stop and say, hey, who cooked this meal? Can we eat together? Can, 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 let's, let's have lunch together, right? You don't. You get your meal, and you leave, and then the next person, and the next person, right? You don't spend time with that cook, right? right? You, you don't. My desire is for us, okay, if I could provide spiritual food for you, let's eat together. Let's take part of it together. Let's grow in the knowledge of the Lord together. Right? I'm not just saying, here, here's a box for you. See ya. Take with it whatever, eat whatever you want. Toss whatever you want. Let's eat it together. Grow together. Grow in the knowledge of the Lord together. Right? So let's take this and through this year, help each other to lay aside, to run, Fix your eyes on Jesus and remember 
Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for a new year. And Lord, we do enter a new year with a sense of uh, optimism and hope. And Lord, I pray for those who really had a tough 23. I don't know if I can promise 24 will be quote unquote better. But Lord, I pray that we would practice laying aside our burdens, run our race with endurance, fix and focus our eyes on you, and consider you, remember you, and what you've done for us. So when we grow weary and tired, you will help us through. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.